more button here. Okay. Chris, you ready, my man? Yep. Chris Jenkins, you ready? Rolling. Ready. All right. What's up, guys? Brian Jackson here along with Chris Hughesby, and we have the special teams coordinator from UNC Charlotte, Coach Bankins, here with us uh, to talk about special teams, the kicking game, and anything else you'd like to, to discuss. Uh, we're so excited to have you, Coach. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Great to represent Coach Healy and UNC Charlotte football. You know, we're all about club lit, so uh, let the party begin. Awesome. Well, Coach, thanks for being on with us. It's an honor to have you on. So, thank well, you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Coach, maybe talk to, to the audience and us about your path, just, you know, different um, colleges that you've been at, you know, if, if you played or what college you attended, just so we can get a little more background about you. Yeah, I played at the great James Madison University. Uh, you know, we've had some special teamers playing the Super Bowl. You know, Scott Norwood, you know, is our Gary Clark game came, uh, comes to mind. And Charles Haley uh, won a couple national – I didn't win the national championships there, uh, but we won a couple national championships at JMU. Um, I actually – when I graduated from there, I was actually working in sports marketing. Uh, and then I went to high school ball, so I got to coach high school. Uh, went to Eastern Kentucky as a graduate assistant. From there, I came back to JMU to coach. And then from there, I've been at Division II all the way up to – I did an internship with uh, Jacksonville, Green Bay Packers, and then I got hired with the Rams. Got back, went to Hampton University, uh, Richmond, Maryland, Vanderbilt, ODU, and now Charlotte. Nice. <clears throat> so you're well, you're well traveled. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of miles on the tires. Yeah. So I'm curious, Coach, um, since you've been at all the different levels, what would you say are some major similarities in terms of, like, like the focus requirement levels and then maybe some big differences that kids don't realize between the, di the division levels and even the pro level because uh, there's a lot of young kids that aspire to shoot for the NFL as well. So what are some pros, some similarities and, and differences that you think are things that they well, need to know? Well, I would just start by special teams in general. When you're at the high school level, you're generally putting players on there who don't really play. Uh, mm -hmm. At the schools that aren't doing so great, that don't really understand. They just put – they make that a participation trophy um, – uh, positions, get them on special teams so they feel like they participate. But the good high school teams understand your best players have to play on teams. Then you go to uh, the college level, and again, the good teams, they're good players play on special teams. And uh, then you get to the pro level, and if you're not the first round draft pick, you better be good on special teams if you want to keep playing in the league. Uh, so that's been, that's the main difference from overall on the players but from the specialists you know uh the progression moving from you know the blocks the two inch one inch tees and then kicking off the ground and then uh you know guys nowadays are super strong and, and you got to be accurate and have great conditioning i think the other difference is as you move up levels as a specialty uh, as a specialist is your level of athleticism that's required a lot of times a guy can just kick and he can do that at the high school level. Uh, get to college, still a little bit, you know, just kicking. But you got to be an athlete to play at the, at the top level. And that's kind of what I look at for. I want athletes uh, from the kicker, the snapper, the holder, uh, the punter. I want all those guys to be athletes because the more athletic they are, the more you can do with them. Right, and that's been that's been a consensus with the handful of coaches we've been talking with via Zoom here the last month or so. Um, and you know, a previous coach that we had had on here even discussed, hey, just throw stuff up on Twitter and just show some athletic ability outside of just kicking a ball. No right? doubt. And so that I think that's been huge, and I, I'm I'm excited to hear that that you feel the same way. Uh, you, you mentioned the T coach, and I think that's been a good. Um, discussion point hearing from college coaches is, is I think you guys know and understand why high school coaches want guys to use a T and maybe why guys want to use the T but maybe just to just to hear from your viewpoint what are your thoughts about the T when you're evaluating kickers as soon as I see the T I stop evaluating I want to see the guy I 
see him on Twitter, puts his posts up there. He's got the blah or he got the one inch tee. And as soon as I see the holder and him go to pick it up, I say, stop the film. Then I hit him up on Twitter and say, hey, can you go out and kick some off the ground? Because we only have some, we get 20 hours a week with these guys at practice. So if that's one more thing that we have to take away from all the other stuff to get ready for uh, game day and all that stuff, that puts them a little further behind. So the more I can see where he is as far as kicking off the ground, the better for me when it comes to evaluation. Perfect. And, and to kind of just dive deep on that, what specific grade level? Like, are you, are you talking about, like, juniors, seniors, freshmen? You know, what, what grade level to kind of just go another detail into it? So when I have uh, specialist camps, all those guys are kicking off the ground no matter the ninth grade or going into your 12th grade. And I tell the kids this, hey, you got to do what your coach tells you to do when you get back at that, uh, when you get back to your schools. But while you're here in camp, whether you're in ninth grade or you're in 12th grade, we're going to train you because I don't run, when I do camps, I don't run them as a clearly tryout camp, tryout camp, tryout camp. I let the kids come in, they kick, however they've been taught before. Because the first time I did a camp, kid came in, we coached him immediately. This is what we want you to do at camp. Horrible camp. And this was the year I was given a scholarship. And he was like, coach, I just didn't feel like I had a good shot at getting a scholarship because I was trying to do it exactly like you guys said. So I paused the next year and I said, hey, first part of camp, come out, kick how you kick. Let me see what your raw talents are. Then we'll coach you up a little bit, see how well you take coaching. And all those guys are from that point on are kicking off the ground. And I just, just get to see where they are, see the leg strength, see the height on the ball. I want to see if they can get naturally get the ball up high as opposed to using the prop to get the height on the ball and see where they really are with that. Yeah, uh, that's great. I mean, I like that you set that standard and bar right away and, and expectation because there is that weird balance of coaches being like, well, how much time do, does he need to get ready and how ready is he and all that type of stuff. And I think that's good to have kids think about, you know, right now, because uh, I know that there's a lot of juniors in this Midwest area where I'm at. Uh, they're using this winter period as an experiment to start working off the ground now. No doubt. So that by the summer camp, they're hopefully ready to roll and then maybe flip back to a half inch or one inch in the season. So I think that's, that's real good feedback for kids who, want to be prepared or need to be prepared to go off the ground. Hopefully this summer there's going to be kicking camps again. Or no doubt. <laughs> I hope we can go out and actually evaluate the kids at their uh, particular schools and see them play. We're, you know, as special teams coordinators, we're kind of like the quarterback coach. We want to see them perform in person, how they react to uh, certain things. You know, uh, one of the big things that we talk about with my guys is body language um, because I guarantee nobody came out the crib and was like, hey, I want to be the best special teams player in all of NFL or college football. Nobody did that. So you have to have the, you know, you see behind me, you know, R4Bs, and the first one is be fanatical. And that's our way of getting the rest of the team excited about playing special teams. Because like I said before, no one came out the crib going, I want to be the best special teams player <laughs> in NFL history or anything like that. And if we're not fanatical about it, they're not going to be fanatical about playing on the unit. So when I go watch a kid, I want to see him, like, how does he react when he misses? His whole body falls apart and, and you know, has no juice going uh, to do whatever they're doing, whether it be punting, kicking, or what have you, kickoffs. If there's no juice for it, they're not having fun doing it. I don't know how they can inspire the other uh, 10 guys around them to be enthusiastic and fanatical about what we do. Hey, Coach, just kind of switching gears up on you, just some technical stuff, punting-wise. Um, when, when you're watching the tape and watching Twitter, huddle, uh, tra camps, training film, all the stuff that, that you see all of us put out and these kids put out, uh, what thing would do you wish or what thing do you prefer in the punting side of things as far as steps and amount of yards they're taking up and handle, all those things? The first thing that, that you know, I, early in my career that I made a mistake on and just taking 
the guy that blasts the ball and hits rockets. One thing I didn't check, and I learned this with a kid I had later, is the hands. I want to see how they handle the ball. Uh, you know, so everything starts with the catch. And if, you know, I like pinkies together catching the ball for as, however height the ball is. Obviously, if it's over your head, you know, it's thumbs together going to catch the ball. Because I think this right here helps you just push the ball out and mold it on the table. Um, a lot of guys, you know, they'll flip or they'll make sandwiches. And a lot of their technique comes from their hands. Like, they don't get the ball seated right, and then the drop is all messed up. So that's the first thing I look for is hands. Then I look for uh, touch the toe. I want to see, you know, the steps I don't really – I love a two-step guy, but I don't really – you know, get upset about that. I want to see how fast they get the ball off. If you're if your touch time is, you know, one two, good. However many steps you take, whatever you gotta do, as long as you're getting off in one two. Uh, you may depending on your snapper, you may be able to get to one three. I'm fine with that. Um, but you know, there's steps. I look for stutters. You know, like how fluid are you when you're doing and. And here's the biggest thing that kids struggle with is replicating success. Like you have a great kick, but you can't replicate it. And, and that's what I look for. How consistent can they be uh, in their whole process? Yeah, those are great feedback tools. Cause I think the biggest thing with punters is, is the hand exchange. Like, just like yes. you said, like if they, if they're not smooth, that slows their whole operation down. Um, no, no. Now are you, when you're evaluating guys, are you, would you prefer that um, – because you, you say you want, you know, a fluid look and all that. I, I would assume you'd prefer guys to put up uncut film just to show repeatability, right? Yes, no doubt. All right. I want to see, can you replicate success? The more – and this is what I learned from the NFL. So just a quick story. Uh, when I was with the Ram, we, Rams, we drafted Reggie Hodges. Reggie came in as a rookie. I think we drafted him in the sixth round. Reggie Hodges, great dude, super dude. Um, he he held for me. He was my. That was one of your guys. He, no, he he held for me at Ball State. Oh, that's awesome! You played with Reggie. Yeah, that that was like my mentor at Ball State. I love Reggie, but you yeah. know, one thing that happened with Reggie, he might tell you this, it was like he got his signing bonus and ate his signing bonus when he was in the off season. Came back <laughs> a little heavier, was leg weary. And we'll hit a great ball and then shank two. Hit a great ball and shank two. So about week six, I think it was, we ended up cutting him. You yeah. know, you drafted a punter and, you, and then we ended up cutting him. So we bring in Brian Barker. Now, Brian didn't have the leg, at that point in his career, didn't have the leg talent that Reggie had, but he was consistent as heck. We knew we were going to get 43 yards right where we wanted it, and we we're going to get the hang time appropriate for it. And that's what I look for. Can you replicate success and just be who you are? If you're only a 39-yard punt guy, give me great hang time. If, you're a, if you have a rocket for a leg, but, but it's in the middle of the field or I don't know where it's going to go, so I can't send the covers there, I'm going to struggle with that as a special teams coordinator calling our different punts. Because what I don't do is, you know, I'm an offensive guy. I've coached tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. So I look at it more offensive play, like, hey, if you're, if you're John Elway in the pocket, they're going to send rushes at it all the time knowing you can't get away from it. But if I can move you a little bit and I can, you know, show this way and punt it back across the field and you're consistent with it, I can set up our coverage and we'll get no returns ever. And uh, so that's what I look for. Can you replicate success? Nice. Uh, I got a question about um, thinking of the different transition levels. I'm kind of, I'm really enjoying that you've had experience coaching at all these levels because we have a lot of listeners that um, are, are all different levels, high school kids, yes. college kids, aspiring free agents. Cause for our first three seasons, we would interview one NFL specialist in every episode. Okay. Uh, so we even got aspiring guys. So I'm curious, um, 
for, for kids that we always tell kids that if you want to be a division one athlete, you need to train like one, you know, like have that time. D1 mindset. Um, what from like maybe a, like a, a team meeting study, you know, studying film mentality, what's kind of the biggest differences as you move up the ranks and in terms of like what's expected, even from like a film standpoint? I think um, at some point you move from just looking at you to understand the big picture of the game. So you come in, and, and we probably film our specialists more than a lot of people film their specialists. That's just from my NFL background. So I'm going to steal a camera, and every drill that we get, we're going to film. Uh, but what I found as you move up, and, and, and it's happening with our kids, uh, some of our younger kids here at uh, Charlotte. So in high school, you have no film. Half the time, people don't ever see you punting at practice. Like they only punt, they only film when you're in team settings, if they do that sometimes. So then you get to our level at college and you'll get a little more film. Uh, and I've been lucky, you know, cause I did go to the league and be able to come back and see how important it is to be able to, you know, you're looking at a drill, we're, we're drilling, let's say um, you're doing a hurdle uh, swings on your kickoffs. And we're talking about uh, you got to do that. The drill's got to be at the same pace as it would be in the game. And the kid's like, I am going full speed. I am going full speed. But now I have cameras on it. So when they see it, and my kids will come back and they go, oh, I thought I was going full speed. But now that I see it on film, I see that I'm not going full speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, when they really get, when they get, you know, I talk to all our players, you know, one great thing about the special teams coordinator, I get to talk to the whole team just as much or sometimes more than head coach does. So one thing I talk about with all the players and especially specialists, there's three real stages of your development. Get it, got it, and give it. Uh, when we talk about you spend a lot of times trying to get it, just get the technique, fundamentals, whatever coach wants me to do. And a lot of times their heads are spinning because in high school, a lot of times they didn't have a coach to coach them on their, uh, you know, a lot of guys nowadays, uh, they have kicking coaches like you guys, but some of them don't have that. So they're like, yeah, I just went out and kicked it. I, <laughs> I don't know what you're really talking about, but. So they're spending that first year just trying to get it. And then once they get it, they got it. And at that stage, they're working on the, the fine points of it. Like, coach, I'm playing around, you know, am I tip up on my drop on my punts or am I more of a flat drop guy? Do I turn it in a little bit? Um, do you want this to be an Aussie ball when we get in plus territory? So they're, they're working on the little nuances on it. And that's because they got it. Now they can fine, fine tune, tweak, uh, play around with different balls. Like, you know, uh, I guess it's called a uh, watermelon ball or, or that, you know, they saw one of the kickers do it. So they're, they're trying it out. And that's when it really gets fun. Once, you, once you're in the got it stage, it really gets fun. Mm -hmm. And then you got to give it. And I always tell our guys, you got to give it back to the guys coming up uh, behind you. You got to set the standards high uh, that this is how specialists are supposed to be here. And then you teach them how to prepare. You know, when you're looking at film, once they get to the uh, give it stage, they're also helping me with my game planning. So they'll come in on Mondays and they're looking at opponent film and they're like, coach, you know, every time the snapper, uh, you know, he rolls his shoulders a little bit right before he snaps. And I was like, he does? Let me go back and look at it. Oh, so they're helping with the, the triggers and all those things to help us get better. And uh, I think that's, that's why you coach. You want to see them go through those stages where they're struggling just to get it. And then when they got it, you're having fun. And then watch them coach the guy behind him when they go to give it back and you know, I see that with Cruz with some of our fresh our freshmen, and uh, we had a senior punter this year to help our junior punter uh, really get better at what we're doing. 
Yeah, it's obvious that the culture that you've developed, Coach, there at UNC Charlotte is, is fantastic. Uh, I love hearing all of this stuff, and I wish we had that when I was at Ball State. Um, obviously, that was about 17 or 18 years ago, but uh, you're obviously doing a great job. I, I kind of want to jump to the 2022 specialists, just yes. maybe help them out in general um, with what they need to be doing, COVID or not. You know, What are things that they should be doing from now all the way to August that, that can help them propel themselves to get on, on boards? What I've really liked um, enjoy with this, no one really liked the COVID, but seeing how people, how the specialists have evolved to getting themselves out there. Like I get at least two or three days a week film from guys. And it's great to be able to say, hey, real loved your film let me see you do this and they can do it right there. And they go put it on tape and two days later I get it sent to me or they do it that same day and it gets sent to me. But what I really would like for them to do, I guess my biggest thing going back to your early question about at camps and clinics, like for the punters, I hate seeing them catch, read the ball and punt it. I want to see you work on your touch toe time, you know, Make it all every, and I tell our guys this all the time, make every rep a game rep. Your, your, uh, this punt is, they got the best returner in the county back there and you're game winning. You, you hit this punt, you flip the field and you win the conference championship. You don't, you take forever, it gets blocked, you lose the conference championship. I want to see that tempo and everything that they do. And then what I like to see more of the guys do is show their athleticism. Show if you played soccer, let me see you play soccer a little bit. If you played basketball, let me see you play basketball. If you're a lacrosse guy, let me see you play lacrosse. Um, because I think the more, two things it shows me that you can be coached by different people and that be different people are different styles of coaches. And it shows me your athleticism. I want to run fakes. I don't care who knows it. I want to run fakes anytime, whether it be on uh, punts, whether it's on field goals, or you know, onside kicks on uh, kickoffs. I want to do it. I, I don't believe we have to give the ball back to you. We can go score uh, with our specialists doing things like that. Coach, what are some attributes that you look into a long snapper position? I like a little bit of length. Um, you know. Everyone can zip the ball back, but I want to, you got to be able to cover too. Uh, especially, you know, we're a shield protection team, so our long snapper is not really involved in protection right now because the last, um, you know, between Old Dominion and Charlotte, I haven't really asked the kids to be in the protection scheme. Uh, when I was at Bandy, I had a kid that, uh, you know, went to the league, so I would do some protection stuff because I wanted to show what he can do. Um, but I like to see athleticism, being able to zip me a ball and still go coverage. Um, and, you know, I like guys that play other positions like linebacker, tight end, stuff like that uh, for snappers. And flexibility, obviously. You got to be flexible to be a long snapper. Right. You're you're throwing you're a quarterback slinging the ball between your legs to 14 and a half, 15 yards. You're an incredible athlete. Show it. Exactly. So it's like the first drill you do is, hey, let's just play catch and make sure yes. you throw the ball over your head. Exactly. Um, Coach, I'm curious. Uh, going back to some recruiting things, um, you know, as you as you as you've alluded to, uh, you've gotten more film because of COVID, and that's something that Brian and I have always preached. And it's starting to become a little bit more kind of common knowledge of things to do in the industry now. Uh, just curious for, for kids to really understand the full scope of it. How many DMs a day do you think you get from recruits? And then my part two would be uh, one of the impatient things that we hear from kids is like, oh, coach, I sent them a DM. I didn't hear back from them. When should I follow up again? So like what would be like a good tactful follow up to a coach like you as well? I probably get about 10 to 15 a day. Um, so I try to get through them all. And I also want to take notes on. So usually within two days, sometimes right away, I'll, I'll at least acknowledge that I got it. 
uh, to let them know. And I try to give them some uh, idea of what we're looking at. Now, if you keep sending me the same, you know, it's the same guy I keep sending me every day, every day, every day. I'm, I'm probably once a week going to get back to you so I can look at all your film because I know you're going to send me at least three times that week. Let's get it all together. Or I might send you a little note, hey, uh, the next one you send, I, I get you on Monday and you tell me the next time you're going out to kick is Wednesday. Hey, when you go Wednesday, let me see you do uh, your roles, um, you know, directional or whatever, whatever I didn't get in the other thing. But like I said, I usually get about 10 or 15 a day and then I try to get back within a couple of days. Great. So you're kind of, you're, you're, you're exceptional because there's a lot of kids who feel like they're, they're not getting responded back to. And uh, so that's great that you do that. You can give but I will be honest, you know, the better the kid, the quicker I get back to them. Uh, right. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer because, I mean, these are kids, they have feelings. So you're trying to figure out, craft a good way to tell them, hey, you know, you might need to do this or, or you really have no shot at us, but I don't want to crush your dreams. Uh, right. But, you know, you try to be tactful in it, and sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to get back to guys. Right, and I, and I tell kids, like, don't just say, hey, check out my highlight and then send the link. Ask the coach for feedback, you know, because right. if, if they're not even considering you because of ability, they may not even be considering you because they don't have a roster spot or a need, you know, Coach Bankin still might have, he, if he has a minute or two minutes to look at the film, you may give one, one little piece of information to that kid, and that kid may be like, dang, a Division One college football coach just told me to do this. I'm going to go work on this. So is that, is that a good tactic for these kids to do too? It's excellent because um, we all get better with feedback. And if, if – I mean, this is your craft. This is your passion. This is something you love to do. You always want to know how I can get better. So, yeah, I try to get feedback to the kids. Here's what I really like for you to do. Again, like a lot of times I'll get it and they'll be off a, a block or a tee and I'm like, hey, I need to see you kick off the ground. Or, hey, you guys are you're, – you're taking forever to get rid of the ball. Let me see if you can – the next time you send me film, let me see you get the ball off faster. Or a snapper, hey, next time. Um, because because of COVID, we put together probably about four drills that we wanted to see snappers do um, and have them film it and get it back to us. Smart. And so we give them that protocol, and then hopefully they send it back. Sometimes it, the kid takes forever to get back to us. <laughs> it goes both ways where it takes a while for us, to, for the communication to go. Yeah, so kickers, punters, snappers, like we don't want to hear any more excuses. Like get your stuff to the coaches. So yeah. um, my, I got my, my last question here, and then Chris can finish this off, Coach, because this has been a great interview so far. Uh, you know, kickoffs. Uh, and obviously the, the rules have been, been wild. Uh, when I was in rookie camp with the Bears in 07, it was when they changed it to the 30-yard line. And, you know, Coach Tube was just like, hey, just, just try to get it to the goal line, you know. Um, so – now, obviously, still in the 35, but we have the fair catch rule, uh, which, you know, you, you guys can get more yes. creative on coverage team. What should these kids be, be doing? Because kickoff is still huge value. It sets the tone. Um, what, sh what can these kids be doing to show their skill set more? Or what kind of measurables or specs are you looking on a kickoff from these guys? I want to see kids be able to kick it from the 35 – if they can hit 65 to 70, that's what I want to see. Um, you know, most guys I'm looking at are 3.8 to 4-something, depending on the, 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 the development of the kid. Um, but if you're not getting touchbacks, give me hang time. And like I said, I'm, a, I'm not going to ask kids to do things that they can't do. I'm going to take your skill set and – we're going to work with you. I want to see, can you put the ball? I don't like the ball in the middle of the field. So I want to see, can you put the ball off to the sideline? Help me cut the field in third because I've never had a kick return run back to me that's been kicked in the corner. I have had them run back on me when the ball's in the middle of the field. It's hard to cover 53 in the third. 
Right. So being able to directional kickoff, um, if you can't give me distance, give me hang time. Uh, and, you know, it has to be at least inside the five. So you're talking 60 to 70 is probably the – and even 60 is pushing it for me. Uh, but, you know, somewhere in that range uh, that we can get either touchbacks. If I didn't hit a touchback every time, I love it. Uh, but if we can't, later in the season, you're going to get a little leg weary. And, um, you know, so err on the side of hang time if, if you don't have the distance. Short rocket, you know, worm burners will get you beat every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's great. I think one thing, you know, Brian and I often tell the kids to try to, you know, be well-rounded in what you do. And I think one thing that you just see in general in the industry is probably the lack of development in directional kickoffs. At least what yeah. I see typically in social media, there's nobody that really shows that or tries to do it because it's hard. It's hard to do. Right. Um, I guess my last kind of recruiting question for you, coach, and then we got a few fun ones for you here, but um, going just to the 2021 class and obviously Brian, I know, know your specific situation, but you could talk holistically um, there's a lot of kids worried, obviously, with COVID and not being able to get on campuses. Like, we've heard rumors that a lot of coaches think there's going to be like a real late push of 2021s as well, like in April, May. For you, I, you know, we know you, what you're trying to do now, but like, do you kind of see that being a situation where a late D1 push for a little while? I feel, I mean, I feel bad for the cap class of 2021. Uh, because a lot of new things and legislations are coming out. Obviously, with the COVID situation, if you have a good specialist that was going to be a senior, you're allowed to have them back. So that's one less roster spot that's going to be able to be taken by the class of 21. Uh, the other thing that goes in effect this year is the one-time transfer rule, where guys that are already on rosters other places have experience can transfer into another college and not have to sit out a year. So an experienced guy gives you more um, comfort because you know he's been in a game situation. So the class in 2021, I, from our point of view, we're going to have some incredible PWOs that we'll be able to pick from this year uh, to come and join our program. And for the kids, where I feel bad about it is, there's some kids that would have definitely been scholarship kids that aren't going to have a home. So I would say to those guys, still look at the rosters. It's the same thing I tell free agents, uh, like kid that leaves me and he's a free agent. Look at the rosters. See where you can get your scholarship the quickest. Go back and look at, you know, you find a place that you like. Go back and look at the stats and see – they might allow the kid to come back for one more year, but go see how good he is. And maybe you can go in and beat that kid out. And as soon as he leaves, you're the next scholarship guy. You know, for me, I like having the guy, the next guy that we're going to put on scholarship on campus already. He knows our culture. We're big on culture. I know everyone's seen the videos about Club Lit and what we do here. <laughs> uh, so we're big on culture. We're big on knowing our kids. And if there's a kid that's been indoctrinated into our culture already that's here, and then we can put him on, reward him with a scholarship, may not be today, but, you know, a year from now, that's where that's the perfect situation for us. And I think kids just need to look at, you know, in life, what you want is not always happens to you at that very moment. You have to, I know it's hard for this generation a little bit, but delayed gratification, just got to put it off a little bit. And I think you'll still end up with what you want uh, by the time your career is over with. Coach, I, got, I have one more question just because you brought some, some good topics up there before Chris talks about the stadiums. Um, you know, you mentioned the transfer portal. I mean, we, we, it's not like it's new to us now, especially y'all as co college coaches. And then we have the one-time thing here. So this is more of a question or a question for you to help provide some feedback for those, anyone. It could even be position players. Like, you know, it's going to happen where people are going to want to transfer in general. What's like the proper etiquette? You know, 
we we've we've had kids ask us like what should we say to the coach i'm scared that he's going to yell at me like what do you guys like y'all know it's going to happen at times with certain people or whatever you guys may not even expect it but like what i guess it's not the best thing to happen but what's like some etiquette things that they can do if they decide like they're just going to leave and go somewhere else well i think um because we haven't had much of it but we're, we're having some of it I think the biggest thing is for players to understand that communication is the biggest thing with any relationship. I make it a point with my players every Monday, I tell you exactly where you stand on the depth chart. Uh, but come in, talk to the coach. We want, as with anybody in any relationship, we want people that want to be in our relationships. So if you want to transfer, if this isn't a place for you, or you're not getting what you want out of it, just come talk to us. Have a conversation, lay out what your concerns are. You and I have both been players. We've all been players. And sometimes the locker room chatter is really different than what the coach is actually thinking. So if you go in and talk to your coach and ask him, hey, why am I not playing? What's going on? And you still don't like the answer, then you enter the portal and, you know, there's no love loss. If you handle it the right way, there's no love loss. If you just all of a sudden, boom, and just disappear, somebody's going to call us and ask about you. <laughs> like, as soon as you go in the portal, I mean, it's a, it's a small fraternity coaching. They're going to call and ask. So you can't run from, um, you know, what's happening at your place. Make sure you're trans and get great advice. First of all, get great advice of what you're doing. Uh, I think the biggest mistake players make is, they don't like their current situation. Like, I'm just gonna go jump in the portal. <clears throat> I don't see how you, you know, you know, when I first started coaching, one of the coaches called me Coach Money because I, you know, I always deliver money to bank. Bank is yeah. money. So, but one of my favorite sayings is that if it don't make money, it don't make sense. So I don't understand these kids that are maybe a starter at their current school, but they're like, yeah, I'm going to transfer. I'm like, do you even have a real place to go right now? <laughs> Make sure. So until you have an idea of where you're going, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about transferring. I was like, yeah, I'm the starter here. Uh, you know, and I'll give you, you know, your guy Cruz, when I first got there, his girlfriend goes to Alabama and all this other stuff. They're like, Cruz is going to leave. He's going to go to Alabama. I was like, okay, I haven't gotten that indication from him, but so we're walking. So our um, at Charlotte, our practice, we're stadiums here, practicing the stadium at time, and our practice fields are up here. So when we get stuck in the stadium, we're either wherever the team are, we're going opposite. So team was in the stadium, we're up on the hill, we're walking down together, and I go, Cruz, hear your thing about transferring? He was like, what? And uh, I was like, they said, you're going to Alabama. You know, I'll ask is I don't, I mean, <laughs> no till you ask. And he was like, coach, I'm the starter here. Why would I leave to go to Alabama? I go, I heard your girlfriend goes there. I mean, it's been undefeated, so I know how that works. And he's like, but I'm the starter here. Why would I give that up? So understand what you're giving up when you're leaving. And there's a difference between levels, too. Like, if you're an F, uh, P5 kid or G5 kid and you're going to some of these FCS schools, your standard of living is going to be a little bit different when you transfer down. So make sure that you have a good idea of what you're getting into when you decide to make those decisions. Don't just make them – don't make a, uh, uh, a long-term decision off of short-term emotions. Thanks, Coach. Exactly. No That's some great feedback. Um, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. As it, no. As well, the grass may be greener, but you still have to mow it. No. <laughs> exactly. Well, great, Coach. Um, come to our flagship question here. Uh, we've asked every single interviewee this, and it's fun to see some of the consistencies. Uh, when we're talking to the NFL athletes, you know, their favorite stadiums to play in as, as a collegiate guy and, and pro guy. But it's been real fun for us to hear the the coach's perspective because some of them get real deep like in their roots of, of where they've come from and all that stuff so 
so our question here is, uh, is tell us about your five favorite stadiums that you've either A, played in or coached in, or maybe just a mix of, of your top yeah. five altogether. Well, my, my top, five, top stadium to play in is obviously James Madison University, where a lot of greatness happens. And, you know, I played there, so love that place. Uh, playing at Charlotte, uh, you know, coaching here at Charlotte, we've created something special here, uh, enthusiasm. But, you know, those are top two, so I'll take them out of the top five and give you my other. Those are like world class. The, the real top five I'll give you, uh, Seattle. Coaching in Seattle, I don't understand how you're an outdoor stadium and it's that loud there. Like, I could be standing right here next to me and I would not hear myself there. The, the, the fans, they have to pump noise in there. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, <laughs> Alabama was <laughs> Alabama was a fun stadium to play at, you know. Uh, when I was at Bandy, we took a trip down there. Fun stadium. They built it like the Taj Mahal of uh, college football. Um, so it's it's awesome. Uh, when we played North Texas this year, the kids got to go to – we took the players to uh, the Cowboys Stadium. Uh, so we got a tour the night before the game. We had dinner there. Awesome facility they got there. Um, you know, those are probably the top, the neat stadiums like Arizona, you know, all the ones with the retractable grass fields and all that stuff. So I've been able to coach at Arizona and at Houston. Uh, those are fun. And we played when I was at Richmond and on our trek to the national championship, we played Northern Iowa in the, I think they call it the barn. And the Unidome? Yeah, whatever it is. It is really loud. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this little place, I don't understand how it gets so loud in here, but the, once they show close the barn doors, you cannot hear anything else in that place. Uh, those are probably the most fun places that I've been able to uh, coach and, and or play. Uh, but, you know, one thing about football that I've learned, that if you treat the game right, it'll treat you right. I've been able to, since I've, uh, been playing and coaching. I've been able to coach from Maine to Florida to Texas to California to the state of Washington. I mean, it's it's a fantastic thing. I think uh, what a lot of us have to do is understand how privileged we are to do it and not think of it as a right. And if we treat the game right, treat our approach right, it's going to treat you right and give you a lot of long-term success. Fantastic. Coach, that you, you mentioned Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. Chris and I will be there running a camp. Uh, first time being in there, the, the Jumbotron or the, the, the array of several huge uh, television. You mean the indoor blimp that they have? <laughs> yeah. Um, punts. Is it, can you easily hit those things up there? Uh, you got to try. And I think everyone that goes in there, they try. And okay. uh, right. it's a great measure of trying to hit that thing because it lowers. They can raise it and lower it. Uh, but I think that's the first thing that every punter tries to do when they get in there. They try to see if they can hit the scoreboard. So is it more like NFL caliber guys can can hit it? And the elite NFL caliber guys. Okay. Not, just the, not just the NFL caliber guys, but the elite guys can mm -hmm. hit it. Uh, everyone else, is you're, you're, you're hoping. It's, it's a great try, but you're not going to hit it. Got it. Nice. I just got one more fun question just because you've been at all these levels uh, and you can go between the college and the NFL. Who's been the most fun and scariest returner to coach against, but kind of most fun to watch in, in your playing day, or play or coaching days? If you have a few of them to name coach can. Well, here's interesting stat for you guys. I've actually gotten a coach an AFC uh, special teams player of the year and an NFC special teams player of the year. So that's been kind of neat. Uh, we had a kid, Jerome Mathis, that went to the Texans. Uh, and Jerome, you know, he was second in the nation in 400 meters. And it was funny watching. So I coached Jerome his senior year, 2004. I go to Rams, 2005. And then Jerome is at the Texans, 2005. So we're playing them, and it was funny because as we scouted their special teams coordinator, you know, 
we're, especially as coordinators, we can, we can be a little cocky at times. And as we watch film on him, he would always go, he'll have some boosters or whatever around on the sidelines. He would always go stand next to him, fold his arms like this, and go, <laughs> hey, watch this one. So we're watching, and I see him. I go, they're going to run some, some type of trick. So they tried to run a reverse to him. Didn't happen. So after the game, I said, Mathis, you should have had me coaching you. You would have had that one for a touchdown. Because we were uh, in the playoffs. We're playing William and Mary. And uh, they kick the ball off. They kick it out of bounds. I tell the head coach, hey, tell them to kick it back in. Tell them to back up and kick it again. I said, Jerome, sheet all the way to the middle of the field. They're going to try to put it in that corner over there. And I think you can get to the ball before they, uh, you know, before they think it's going to just run on the ground and, and we can't get to it. He got it, caught it, took it all the way up the sideline for a touchdown. My old D coordinator, when I played ball, was on the other team. After the game, he comes up to me. He's like, that's the fastest human I've ever seen return to football. So he was pretty fun to have on the team. But, um, I mean, if anyone knows me, if you have a good return, I'm not kicking it to you. We played – I was at Maryland. We played FIU, and they had T.Y. Hilton. So uh, I'm trying to – and you know how you try to look at film. You want to see – how are people kicking the ball to T.Y. Hilton and keeping them from returning? So I'm going back looking through film. I cannot find any returns from T.Y. Hilton. I'm like, but this kid's supposed to be so good. So I call a guy that plays him in the league in that, in that conference. I was like, hey, how are you guys kicking the T.Y.? He's like, you don't. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you just don't kick it to him. So I go another year back on film, and he is – blazing the returns. <laughs> they used to say I didn't kick to them one time. I didn't want to see this. I didn't want to see T. I didn't want to say why. I didn't want to say any of those things. Yep. Uh, so he was fun. Um, let, me, let me think some other guys that were – that we weren't – so um, I don't know if you guys remember C.J. Spiller at Clemson. So C.J. Yep. Spiller at one point was their all-time leading. So I guess it was 2010 – at Maryland, we're playing them. So CJ is killing the ACC. We played them. You know, that was year, or it was 09. We actually went two and 10. Our only win was against Clemson. Kickoff to him. We tackle him on the four yard line, I believe, on kickoff coverage. So we're up 28 14. And it's late in the game. I was like, I don't want to kick it to him again. But my kicker had gone out. My punter was kicking off. So I was like, I can only do what he can do. So we kick it off. CJ catches it on the 12. First guy down, jumps on his back. The other guy is holding on to his leg. And somehow, CJ slings the guy off him, steps out of the tackle, and he's running up the sideline. Oh. And I was like, hey, after the game, I said, hey, CJ. If you need me to write a reference letter to any NFL team out there, I'm your man because I don't know how you scored that. And I asked the kids, I was like, we had two guys on them. How did we not tackle them? One kid said, well, I thought he bobbled the ball, so I went to reach for the ball to rip it out. And the other guy was left holding his shoe, so he ran back 75 yards with one shoe on. So that was a tough one. But, you know, Devin Hester, we weren't kicking the ball to him. Uh, so all those guys, I didn't get to see them make me look bad, but you know they made other people look bad, and they were you know those, that's the challenge to see the the cat and mouse game. The the returner stays into the boundary, we try to kick it away, and then he starts to cheat. Or uh, most recently, we played um, at ODU. We played Virginia two years ago, and their returner was the number one returner in the country. So. Our return was deep away from the guy. So wherever he lined up, we were kicking away from. So he goes to stack. And you, you guys have all seen it. When they go, they're stacking, they're trying to get you to kick it, and then they go over there and return it, and they house it. So he goes to stack the next time, and I go, hey, we're just going to go deep, our normal deep left to left, because we've been going all over the place. Just go deep left to left. He's, he's going to think we're kicking the field. 
we're going to go to that. So we go to our, my kicker approaches, and as he starts to kick the ball, I see him bright, right, and I'm like, yes! But he kicks the ball in the middle of the field. Oh. <laughs> now the ball goes 93 yards, and luckily we were able to tackle him at the seven-yard line. But I was like, how can you have the perfect call on and you can't execute the thing? But, you know, that's the biggest – that's the challenge of it. That's the chess match of this thing, how to keep the ball out. Don't let I – mean, it's like defensive ball. Don't let their best player beat you. And that's that's the challenge of special teams. Uh, and you don't – all 11 guys on the field aren't your top scholarship players all the time. Um, you know, we have fun with what we do. Uh, you know, like I said, I call it money. Got my money chain right here, you know. Yeah. I'm Coach Money, so I got my chain. And, uh, you know, I like to reward those guys, you know, guys on special teams. We have uh, rewards. We have a big belt for the belt, best play. We have a, a military helmet for the war daddy. And then we have a, a Louisville slugger for the biggest hit on special teams. You know, you got to try to make it fun uh, for your kids to get all of them to play. And it's amazing that we've been able to get guys to play at a high level on special teams. So. It's fun doing what we do. And it's the other great thing is I get to coach every player on the team. You know, from the only position I don't get to coach really is quarterbacks. Uh, but this year, our quarterback's the holder. So I actually do get to coach every position on the team, uh, being the special teams coordinator. So, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Coach, we thoroughly appreciated this interview. Um, Brian and I were kind of commenting back and forth, and this was real fun. Uh, well, we I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. You know, when you love what you do, you know, the first B up there is B fanatical about what you do. So uh, uh, I love what I do. Uh, and I think I can get the kids to play at that level. And uh, if you can keep it fun, like I said, nobody woke up out of the crib and said they want to be the best special teamer in the country. Uh, and if we can inspire our guys to do that, that's what it's all about. Thanks, Coach, so much for being on and just sharing us your story. and and also your culture at UNC Charlotte. I, I love just hearing, you know, everything that you guys are doing and, what, and, and you as the leader. Thanks, Coach. Thank you so much. And if there's any, anything I can do for you guys in the future, just let me know. I'm right here. I'm a Zoom call away. Yeah. Appreciate it, Coach. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Yep, you too. Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yep. yep. Merry Christmas.